for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. It is good to see you. We are uh, moving right along together and in positive ways, and I'm grateful for that. It's, uh, it's good to see that some of you have uh, return to your normal place in the balcony from from your time on the floor. I hope that uh, that you feel more comfortable up there once again. Let me ask you a question. This is an important question. How many of you are in your right seat? How many of you, since we've come back, have had to move because someone's in your seat? Just the people in the balcony. You know, I made this joke with, uh, I guess it was with early service back a few weeks ago before we started, I said, we're all about getting back to normal. But I said, what's going to happen when we go from two services back to one? Everybody had found their new normal seat, and some of you had stayed in your regular seats. But some people were, there was some overlap in some seating arrangements during two services. And I, I just knew that when we got back together, somebody was going to come in and be like, well, they've gotten my seat. And uh, there's nothing more unscriptural than someone getting your seat, is there? So... Uh, I hope that we've been able to figure that out this morning. Hey, so this morning, what we're going to do is we're starting a group of series, and I'm excited about this. This is something that I started doing several years ago, um, but my sermon, my summer, we're not going to have to rewind and do this again, my summer sermon series. Everybody say that with me. Summer sermon series. See, now you understand, right? Is always called my favorite. And what I like to do during the summer is to add, to pick a, an overall theme. This, this summer is going to be my favorite Old Testament story. And so I'll put out there, and I put this out on Facebook, but I'm still gonna, I still have some Sundays I need to fill in here. But what is your favorite Old Testament story? Let me know, and then I'm going to use those stories as the basis for my sermons the summer months. Several of you responded on Facebook. I've got a good list, but I still need maybe four more sermons to fill my calendar out. So if you would like to share with me later today or later this week, uh, maybe your favorite Old Testament story, uh, we will put that in the mix and we will uh, share that uh, through a sermon over the next few months together. We'll be in this for a uh, for, for several weeks together. But today is, is our first in this story. Uh, it is the story of what? Daniel in the lion's den, or as I like to call it, the lions in Daniel's den. Because as you look at the story, what you see is when Daniel gets put in the lion's den, who's really in charge in that moment? The lions or Daniel? God, but on behalf of who? On behalf of Daniel. And so I, I like to maybe change that up just a little bit. But today we're going to, uh, I believe, my right, Adriana, this was your, this was yours, wasn't it? I, I'm going to try every week to share whose story 
uh, favorite story this is. Let's, let's open our Bibles to chapter 6, and we're not, we're not going to read the whole passage, but we're going to read uh, sections of chapter 6 and kind of set the stage here, and we're going to dive in and talk a little bit about uh, some of the things from this book. So let's start with chapter 6. We'll read the first seven verses. It said, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps uh, to rule throughout the kingdom, uh, and three administrators over them, one of who was Daniel. The, the, um, the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So basically, uh, Daniel is uh, basically, he, with two other guys, he's got second in vice president powers, if you will, over the empire. Vice president powers over the empire. That's, that's a pretty high honor, isn't it? It's a pretty high honor. So Daniel's in a really cool place. Now, Daniel uh, so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could uh, find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charge against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his who? The law of his God. So these administrators and subtraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, uh, perfects and subtraps, advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, must be thrown into the lion's den. Let's stop right there for just a second and talk about the beginning of this story. The beginning of this story, we're introduced... If we're reading through the book of Daniel, we're not introduced for the first time, but we're reminded of who Daniel is, and we're reminded that he is an upright and righteous God, that there's, you know, nothing. Uh, he's not perfect, okay? He's not perfect. He is, I will give you this little tidbit of, of just kind of trivia, he is one of just, I think there's three, one of three characters within Scripture that there's nothing bad said about it. doesn't mean he's perfect, but we don't have a record of anything negative that he did. Um, but he lives his life in a righteous way. And these guys that um, want to um, bring him down come to the king. Now, you, to, to be king, and, and I've even said this about being president, to, to be in that type of position, you have to have a pretty healthy ego, don't you? To think that you are, I mean, to think and admit and, and hold on to the fact that you are the most important and most powerful person in your nation or in your region, you have to have a pretty healthy ego. And these guys are going to play to that ego. They're trying to bring Daniel down. They're tired of him being the king's favorite. And so they're going to try to bring him down. So they go to the king and say, hey, king, we're going to make a rule that no one can pray to anybody or anything except you for this next period of time. Now, someone who has a healthy ego, what are they going to say? Sure, let's do that. Sounds good to me. Everybody needs to think that I'm as important as I think I am. And so we're going to do that. So they've set this trap for Daniel. If we, if we roll on into verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree, the, the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and, ask, and asking God for help. So the king gave the order. How far we're going? Then the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him in the lion's den. Let's let's stop with this right here for a second. 
Uh, what does Daniel do? What is at the core of Daniel's life every day? What does he do? He prays. That's just who Daniel is. That's what he's about. And, and although his prayer life is somewhat um, private, his prayer life is so intense that everybody knew about it. Everybody knew that this is something Daniel does. And, and these, these other administrators, they knew that this is a way we could get to him. But I'm going to ask you this morning, and we'll talk more about this here in just a moment, but do people know you as a prayer? Think about that for a second. When people think about you, do they think about you in light of the idea that you have such a conversational relationship with God that they know that you are someone who is devoted to a life of prayer? That's something that they knew about Daniel and something that we need to be about as well. So the king gave the order. They, they, they catch him. They bring him. The king gave the order and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and when the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation not, might not be changed. You know, there is a reoccurring theme within Scripture that every time someone rolls a stone over an entrance to try to keep something from happening within the grave or this place or that place, God usually shows up and does something really cool. And I think that's just a, that's just a side point there. Uh, then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment um, being brought to him, and he could not sleep. I don't know about you. I, th this is just commentary. Okay, this is just Matthew. I don't know how often he prayed or if he ever prayed to God, but how many of you have had sleepless nights in your life? And what do you tend to do during sleepless nights? Tend to pray. I wonder if that's what happened to him. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near to the den, he called to Daniel in an uh, in, in, uh, uh, anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you your majesty. And that's kind of the end of our story. They go on and they take the other guys. We're just going to kind of roll through this. They go on and they take the other guys and they get thrown into the lion's den. Everything works out for Daniel and for God and for the king in a very positive way. So what I want us to do today is I want us to talk about this idea of how do we face lions in our own life. Okay, how do we face lions in our own life? These problems, these challenges that we're going to have in our life, how do we approach them? How do we live a life like Daniel. Well, the first thing that we see about Daniel in his life is in public, purity should be our goal. Okay, In public, purity should be our goal. We see this in Daniel. We see this when we're first introduced to Daniel at the very beginning of the book. Uh, many of you have, have another story, the story of the Daniel diet that the king goes and says, hey, we're going to feed you guys all this stuff. And Daniel and his friends says, hey, look, no, we're not going to do this because this is against what we believe. These are things that we shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be eating. They said, hey, let us do our own thing. Let us stay pure before our God, and let's see who's in better shape at the end. Well, Daniel and his friends were in better shape at the end. But, you know, if you look at our story, it says that he was just an exceptional person. And I think about how do we stay, how do we stay pure and positive and upright in today's world and in today's society? And what is something that maybe 
you could see here in the life of Daniel. I think one of the things that we've got to make sure of in our life, we have to stay positive. We have to stay positive. As Christians, as Christians, we have a great hope. We have a great hope. We have hope. We have assurance that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens in this life, we have eternity with God to look forward to. Amen? Okay, so, so Sean agrees with that, right? Nobody else. Can we try that again? We have this eternity with God to look forward to. Amen? Okay. Now, yeah, see, you've even got, you've even got a prompt if you need it. All right? But sometimes... Sometimes, so we were in Savannah Monday, this past Monday, and we were sitting at the hospital with my grandmother, and no, we hadn't got there yet, I think we were still at my aunt's house, and uh, there was a cousin there that I had not seen in a few years, and we were talking about something, and she made this comment to me, she said, I can't remember what we were talking about, but she goes, it's not our fault, you're growing up to be an old grumpy man. I said, now wait a second. I'm not old. I might be grumpy, but I'm not old. But, you know, sometimes uh, the, 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 the stigma is the older you get, the grumpier you get, right? And why is that? Well, I've learned in my own life, as, as I have, I'm not old, but I'm growing older, that your perspective about things change. And what happens, I think, a lot of times is, is we have gone through moments in our life as we grow, and we have gone through this journey, and we have figured some things out, but then there's going to be people behind us and around us that are on the same journey, but they've not figured the same things out that we've figured out. They've, they've, not, they've not made it to that part of the journey and have not learned what, what we've already learned. And it's easy in that moment to be like, oh, hey, look, if you would just do it my way because I've got it figured out, you're doing it the wrong way. It's easy to come across, even though we may mean it in a positive way, Sometimes they have to take their own journey and figure their own things out. And sometimes if we're not careful, we may come across as being negative, maybe being grumpy. But you know, that we have to be, as Christians, we have to be the most positive of people. We have to be. Because if we're not positive people, are people going to want to come worship with us? If you are constantly gropping about the way of the world and things that are going on, you know, and, and, and listen, I'm, I love Facebook. I'm on Facebook. I use Facebook and social media in very positive ways. But there are some people that are just grouches on Facebook and complain about everything. And if people see you gropping and complaining about everything that goes on in the world, you know what they're going to think about you? You're a negative person. Are they going to want to come and worship with you if they think you're a negative person? No, they're not. We have to be positive people. Look at some of these. Um, Paul writes this in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of what? Gripe? Is that what it says? What does it say? Say it louder. Grace seasoned with salt so you may know how to answer everyone. But what does he say about our conversation? It's supposed to be positive. It's supposed to be full of grace. It's supposed to have forgiveness in it. It's supposed to have understanding in it. Then you go on to, to Titus where he's talking about, hey, older people deal with younger people this way. It says, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent uh, in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is what? What is good. 
then they can teach, then, the, then they can urge the younger women to love their husband and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be what? Say it louder. Kind and be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage young men to be self-controlled. These are all positives, right? Positives. We are to create an environment within our church family, young and old, young and old, of positivity. And when we're positive, we, we are more able to show the purity of God. Let's, let's think about um, the next thing here together. All right, the next thing here together. Let's keep going. Um, in private, prayer should be your habit. So in public, purity. Okay, well, let's be as upright and positive people as we can. In private, prayer should be our habit. Um, the only thing, the only thing that they could find any problem with in Daniel was his what? His relationship with who? God. It is not that there was anything wrong with his relationship with God. It was just that because of his relationship with God, that set him apart. His prayer life set him apart. We were talking about this in our young adult class this morning, that the, the apostles on, on the day of Pentecost were, were so unique, and, and partially because of their uh, moment with the Holy Spirit right there, but they were living their life and, and serving God in such a unique way in that moment that some people thought that they were just drunk, that they were that different. They were acting that much different than everybody else. Daniel was acting in a way with his God that was so much different than everybody else that it made him stand apart. And it all started with his private prayer life. Let me ask you, show of hands, how many of you were with us last Sunday night for our first replug? Raise your hand. Okay, you had some homework last week. Do you remember what it was? The homework was this. I had you rate your prayer life on a scale of 1 to 10. Where is your prayer life right now as of Sunday night last week? And then at the end of the night, what did I say? You need to do something this week to move that number one point to the what? To the positive. And I hope you did that. I hope you did that because growth in our prayer life is so important. We have to be moving in a positive way with our prayer life. But how many of you struggle with your prayer life? Let's, let's just be real and honest. How many of you have moments in your life where I just, I just struggle to pray? Sometimes we have things that hinder our prayer life. Sometimes we go through things that it kind of it pushes, pushes our prayer life in a positive way. But I want to give you some things this morning that maybe will help you in your prayer life to lead you to, to dynamic prayer because these are some things that Daniel did, and I can't think of a better place to kind of focus than on Daniel to try to enhance our prayer life. So I think a specific place is a great thing. Daniel, every day, he went back to his house in the story, and what did he do? He went to a certain place. He opened up the windows to Jerusalem. He had a certain kind of place he focused towards, and that is where he prayed from because it was an environment that he was comfortable with. How many of you remember the room or the movie War Room back a few years ago about prayer, about this lady, that she had a room that she prayed in? And, and, and all of her prayer requests and prayers were, were stapled and pinned and written on the wall. That was her place. I think for some of us, for some of us, maybe to take that next step in our prayer life, maybe we need to say, hey, when I pray, I'm going to make it a point to when I'm in this spot, I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to make this my prayer spot, a place that's maybe comfortable, a place that is quiet. I know some of you are like us. I tell people all the time, there's never a dull moment at my house. 
It's not always positive. It's always something going on. We had two kids gone this week. Um, quietest the house has been in a long time. You know, I, I, the first couple of nights, I'm like, this is strange. And then I'm like, this is nice. And then they came home. And uh, no, I, I'm glad. I, I, like for, I, like for all my, I like for all my chicks to be at home. That's, that's just my thing. I like us to all be in one place. But because of that, sometimes it's hard to find a quiet place to pray. So find that specific place. Another time is find a regular time. I've asked this question before. You've, no, you, you've heard me ask it. How many of your weeks are planned out already this week? You already know everything. I mean, you, you're busy. You know you're busy. It's not even Friday, and you know you're busy on Friday. Sometimes it's hard to find time to really have meaningful prayer. So find that place, but also find that time and say, this is when I'm going to do it. You know, we used to be a lot better about planning our week. How many of you are TV watchers? You enjoy TV. How many of you remember not too long ago where TV shows came on once a week at one time, and if you didn't watch it then, you just missed the week, didn't you? Like Thursday, I'm a big Friends fan, Thursday, 7 o'clock, must see TV. If you missed it, some people were smart and could program their VCR. The only thing I could do was make it blink 12 o'clock, okay? You only do that by plugging it in. Nowadays, it's different, but we, there's, there's a generation of us that remember when something's important, you make time for it, and you, you go do it. Prayer is the most important thing for you in your life. So find a place and find a time and say, this is when I do this. And then an interesting thing that I don't think we talk about enough, but devote a posture. What, what does Daniel do? How does Daniel pray? He prays on his knees. How did Jesus pray in the garden? He fell to his what? He fell to his knees. There are a lot of postures talked about in Scripture. There are a lot of places that you can go. You, you see people on their knees. You see people praying laying down. You see people praying raising hands. You see all these different things. Interestingly enough, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying interestingly enough, did you know that bowed heads and clasped hands is never talked about as a prayer position within Scripture? Yet that's how we all teach our kids to begin to pray, right? Bow your heads and clasp your hands. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. What I am saying is there's not one position that's right or wrong to pray in. But Daniel had a position in which he prayed in, and I think maybe for us, if we have a devoted position, that it helps us focus. And maybe that's something you add. And then it was a consistent habit. It's not always good for your religion to be a habit, but there are certain disciplines that need to be and how, he didn't just do this once every now and then. How often did Daniel pray? How often did he do this? Three times a day. Three times a day. You're sitting there and you're like me. You're like, man, sometimes I don't even have time to pray once sometimes like this. I know we feel that way sometimes. But make it a consistent habit. Think about these things. I think it will help you in, in, in your personal prayer life. Let's, let's wrap up with this last thing. Under pressure, peace will be your gift. So Daniel has a life that is... Man, it is wrapped in prayer. Everything about his life is prayer, and everything about his, the way he lives it publicly is purity. Now, I've got this written in my notes, and I want you to understand this. Just because you live in purity and in prayer doesn't mean you will always find peace. Okay, Some people like to teach, hey, follow Jesus, and everything's going to be great, and everything's okay, and there's that prosperity gospel that's out there. But, but, but the Bible says that we're going to have momentary what? It starts with a T. Momentary trials. 
Now, some moments last longer than others, but we are promised in Scripture that if we follow Jesus, that's not going to come with the absence of challenges. And we see this in Daniel's life. But Daniel knew that when the moment came that he was going to have to face something challenging, he was prepared. Why? Because his life was grounded in prayer. His life was grounded in prayer. He was prepared for those moments. All right? So I saw on Facebook this, this weekend, um, I know Dylan was there. I saw, um, I guess, Trent. They went and did they go and play in Tuscaloosa this weekend, Hamilton? They played somewhere, though, didn't they? They went and, and played. So our basketball coaches went and played basketball this weekend. Well, they, did, they went and coached basketball. Dylan, did these games count for anything? Nothing other than what? Development, preparation. Dylan and his boys are going to play a basketball season next school year. But what are they preparing for right now? Next school year's basketball season. You're going to face challenges in your life. You've got lines coming your way. I promise you, it's going to happen. It's guaranteed. You can mark it down. What do you need to be doing today? You need to be preparing for that moment. And that preparation starts by living a life of prayer. And you see, when Daniel lived his life of prayer, he knew that ultimately the great line, and I love this comparison, the line of Judah, Jesus himself, God, was going to take care of him. And in our life, we have to choose. Are we going to be afraid of lines as in Satan? We've talked about this before. I don't think I've got this one on here. <laughs> Not yet. We've talked about this before, that, that Satan prowls around like a what? Roaring lion. We talked about that a few weeks ago, and we showed the Lion King clips, remember? And so there's a line that we can be afraid of. But I'm going to tell you, and, and this is something that you got to understand. Satan is like a mean dog on a chain. He can only get so close to you. He can only harm you if you allow him to harm you. So you can choose between that line or the line of Judah. I love this passage from Revelations. He says, let me get back to it now. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See that the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has what? Triumphed. He is one. And because of that, we can lean into God. We can lean into Jesus in those moments of challenges, and we can find these things. One of my favorite quotes of Jesus, Come to me, all you who are what? What are those next two words? Weary and burdened. Let me ask, we got any tired people in here this morning? Any tired people? Life's just kind of crazy right now. It, it, it's burdensome. It's, there's, there's a lot going on. I, I just don't know what tomorrow holds. We, we have those moments. He says, hey, those of you that are that way, he says, come to me. Come to me. Let me take care of you. He says, because when you come to me, what does he say he's going to do to us? I will give you what? Rest. Listen, you walk through the bookstores, you're going to find thousands of self-help books, how to deal with this, how to deal with that. There's support groups for this and that and the other, but there's no greater support than that of Jesus. And when you're going through trials, understand that you can lean in on him. Another one from John 16, verse 33, I have told you these things so that you may have what? Peace. In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
Challenges are going to come. You're going to be thrown into a lion's den at some point in your life. It may be the lion's den of relationships. It may be the, the lion's den of financial problems. It might be the lion's den of work challenges. I don't know what your lion's den is full of. Jesus says, hey, I know you're going to have trouble. Don't be surprised when that happens. Be prepared for that. But remember these things. When you're burdened and when you're weary, come to me. I'm going to give you rest and understand that I'm here so that you can have peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Agreed? Sometimes we like to think it is. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's leaning into the right person during the time of challenge. And that person needs to be Jesus. What are you facing today? What are your struggles? What lines are growling at you and roaring at you? And are you willing to turn away from fear, from fear and turn to peace and comfort in Jesus? Because that's, that, that's what it's all about this morning. Ground yourself in purity. Ground yourself in prayer so that when these challenges come, you're going to be prepared to handle them because you know Jesus is going to be right there by your side. I'm going to leave you with that this morning. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for the chance to just be in your presence. We thank you for the love that you give us and, and the peace that comes from you. We thank you for the grace that you shower upon us. And, and God, when we are weary and when we are burdened, God, help us to turn to you, to not let those things drag us down. Satan uses those things to hinder us, to pull us away, to, to, um, to, to change our focus. But help us to never, never let our focus leave you. Help us to always be pure. Help us to be positive. Help us to be uplifting. Help us to look for your ways above all other ways in this life. We just thank you for our time together. May we, may we grow from this time of study. May we be convicted by your spirit and led to, to, to holy change in our life. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the life that he lived, the, the example that he gave us, the sacrifice that he was, the purity of his life, God, that gave him the ability to be that ultimate sacrifice that forgives us of all sin. Help us to, to lean into that purity, God, to lean into that sacrifice. Help us to be washed in his blood so that we can be forgiven of our sins and that we can have a home in heaven with you. Thank you for all that you do. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Hagleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, And Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. From his inspiration.